Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year 2022. It's going to be the best one yet. I'm feeling good about it. ATP Cup action in today. It's crazy that this season's already here. We got the Australian Open coming up on January 17th. But I'm excited for the ATP Cup, one of my favorite team events of the year. We got some great action today with Denis Shapovalov taking on um, John Isner and then Taylor Fritz taking on Felix Auger-Aliassim. So a couple Canadians, uh, those guys, I think big things are, gonna, are coming for those two. And then I think with the Americans, see who can kind of crack in the top 20. Isner is the highest rated American right now. Which is crazy to say at 36. And he's above Taylor Fritz right now. I believe so. I think he's at 23. I think Fritz is at 26. But wow. unless things changed. So, yeah, Fritz is, I think, the guy that's going to be uh, to look out for as far as the Americans go. But, yeah, tennis point. Uh, what a year for us, guys. I mean, it was a lot of fun. A lot of things have happened. We signed with the ATP Tour. We signed with Tennis Channel. Um, ITA is something that we're looking forward to being a lot more involved in here soon. So that's something we'll have uh, coming down the road, hopefully in the uh, next few weeks or so. But no, a lot of fun things have happened. We went public, hit the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, we, we hit we hit 25,000 followers on Instagram. So I feel like we're, we've done a lot of growing up in the last calendar year. So yeah, we're, we're, we're there. Appreciate all of your guys' support and you guys sharing with your friends any of our content or any of our deals or whatever. But on, on TennisPoint.com right now, Make sure you guys take advantage of our year-end clearance sale, extra 15% off using the code WINTER15. Um, also up to 50% off Nike apparel and footwear, and as well as the Nike 2022 preview. They got these cool bucket hats, still the, the Heritage logo. Even the women's apparel is super cool and clean looking. So make sure you guys check out that. The 2022 collections for Adidas are another one I'm really excited for is they are showing off the water cycle and some other cool stuff on their on their shirts in particular, um, both the women and men's side. So looking forward to this year. A lot of awesome racket, a lot of awesome rackets were released this past season. The la the latest one being the uh, e the E Zone, which Denis Shapovalov is is uh, now the face of. He was a longtime V Core user, but he's repping that new navy blue, light blue E, e Zone, which is a super clean uh, stick and. I've actually recently changed to the Yonex strings, the uh, Yonex Polytor Rev. It's it's my favorite string that I've had. I've Maybe, changed to those as well. Great, great strings. I mean, it's the eight sided. It's the eight sided string. It gives you so much bite, so much spin. The backhand slices seems much more dangerous. Turns you into a beast. It does. I'm a I'm a big believer in it. And so shout out to the team Yonex. I think they had a, a huge year as well there. So, what what was your favorite? I, you got new sticks as well. Got that blade, Wilson blade. I have the U.S. Open model with the black and white, and I also got the the two tone green and kind of uh, I think it's maybe a maroon, but it, it if you turn it in the lights anyway. But so you got like, you got two sticks, and you get like you were telling me that you know if I have a good set here, yeah, you switch them out, you switch just to them intimidate out. people, keep keep them fresh. So I think scare that... people with how cool your <laughs> how cool your gear is. I need the pure arrow to find another colorway so I can I can rotate sticks. <laughs> you do, yeah. And then I got the Yonex strings though. Once I switch the Yonex strings, although I haven't lost, I haven't lost since I switched to the to the blade, in doubles or singles. The... The Just blade that, might be the most popular stick on the tour right now. It's so good. It's the best racket I've ever played with in my life. So we had an awesome week in Cincinnati where Western Athletic Club, where I actually teach some, um, they hosted a level four uh, 16 and under so tournament. So good. 
national events. So, I mean, it was unbelievable. We had talent from all over the country come in all the way from L.A. to New York to Florida. So awesome to see all these kids come in town during the holiday season. They uh, took their Christmas gifts and had matches on the 27th, starting on the 27th. Uh, yeah, 64. Where the, you said 64. Yeah, draw 64. Yeah. And they had doubles as well. So that was awesome. Just watch those guys partner up with a random player from anywhere across the country, and you meet a new friend and – I mean, almost all of them had random a random player from across the country that had to be rated in the top 100 of their state, right? I thought that was like it was, the top 150. 70. Yeah, it was like a. I think the lowest UTR I saw was like a nine one five, maybe a nine. I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but there was mostly nines all the way up to the highest. I think it was like a ten point two. So, so most of the guys were at, um, that are in the top 100 in the country were at Winter Nationals that qualified. But I mean, we had a ton of talent here in the town and uh, amazing I, it, tennis. It was such good tennis, and we had a. Matt Ant- Antonius, which won our crack, the Cracked Racket event that we uh, sponsored a couple weeks ago in Indianapolis, 11-year-old from that Buffalo. That was the 11-year-old dude, yeah. From Buffalo. Watched his match. I mean, for him to come out there and put on the performance that he did, I thought, even though he lost to the future, uh, the eventual champion, I thought he just, he showed so much fight, and his mentality on court at 11 years old is so mature. Fundamentally, I was like, well, I thought he was in position, and his hands... He was set up to always put himself. He looks smaller than all the kids. For oh, one, he, he was a foot, a foot taller, or a foot shorter than all those guys. But yeah, so fundamentally, he just he he was putting himself in a place where he could make hard hitting mm-hmm. balls. No, Come, and, so it's like yeah, I think that that was his thing. Is like these kids look like they're gonna bully him off the court, but he was in the right spot. His feet were in the right place, and mm-hmm. he hit he hit harder. He did. Than he, he needed to in some places because he was just putting them back into the backcourt. It looked great. It was great, great. Great coaching. Yeah, and his, from his dad, actually. So I, it was awesome to watch him and his dad's uh, relationship kind of on and off the court where, like, they were – you could just tell they had a super close relationship. And watching them go through their pre-match routine of their warm-up and stuff of how to get him match ready and then watching his dad kind of push him through matches was just super cool. And his dad was – tell I was talking to his father, and he was saying how they put a big emphasis on um, playing closer to the baseline and taking the ball early on on the off the bounce because he was – he could have – you can use other people's power against them. Yep, and he could have played in the 14s, obviously, but he went. He said his dad said that the UTR level wasn't quite where he wanted it to be, where he wanted to see his son push a little so harder. What, so what, what was his like? Not the like, he's like a nine, I think he's like a nine two. Okay, a 9. so 2. his UTR was one a nine two. Of, one of the top twelve year olds in the country. Um, so amazing, yeah, amazing player. And do you want to talk about UTR? Yeah, no, we, we definitely got to get there. Uh, before we get there, though, shout out to Cyrus Zia. Yeah. from Washington D.C. He trains at JTCC. Same place as Francis Tiafo and a bunch of other talent. I, I laid eyes on him in the, in the first day there. I was like, you this do. guy is ridiculous. I was like, this guy's got the goods. And I, I told a couple of uh, the other coaches there and a couple of, of, our, of my friends that were watching, were like, I was like, this guy's going to win the tournament. And he, he was the seventh seed in there. And he just looked like he was having more fun than the rest of the players out there. And he looked like he was more locked in, more, a little more focused. And I was actually just paying attention to how he was reacting to, to the big points that he lost. His ability to kind of regroup and refocus on the next point and get oh, back yeah. to his strategy was um, just at a level far beyond his his age of fifteen. I was watching just he would I not to say that I watched much of everything that he did, but what I liked about him was that he was he was thinking about tennis in a game perspective. Like you just said, he's having more fun out there. Mm-hmm. He was changing his strategy. He was pounding down the line. He was, and then he was cutting in uh, big cross courts 
like your typical kind of move off the return, but then he would just jump jump the return and just shoot one down the line. He, it, I thought his, that I mean, have you ever seen anybody like do that? that? Not at that. He age. would run on second serves. Jump it. He was yeah. running up to the blue junior line, yeah. taking the ball off the short hop, pushing it down the line, and coming to the net behind it. That's gutsy. I mean, got, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It's gutsy. And the, like, guys, these these kids Take had never people by surprise. Yep. And these kids were shocked by it, and like he caught guys off guard all week long doing that, and it was just. His timing and well, we were looking through his scores, and I think that the first set I, he was winning almost all of his first sets because, mm-hmm. uh, like that's that's how you get people, you get him, you get him tripping on there. He was thinking just, about their UTR. <laughs> I'm playing somebody that's not as high as I am. He was so locked into the details get of the game. Six one. I mean, just like talking to him before a few of his matches and listening to him talk about what he was going to do to certain opponents going into the match. He, had, he was doing his own little scouting reports, and him and his dad were making notes on what they wanted to focus on, and he, he they would work on serves and one-two combinations, and I just I really enjoyed watching him prepare for each match. But uh, he had a great match with uh, Woodson McMillan in the final, who also had a great week, uh, Knoxville native. So shout-out to those guys. They put on a hell of a show all week long. I watched uh, Woodson play um, the match before the final. He's had a he beat the number one seed, Aiden Atwood, who was also a very strong player Big out of sir. the Atlanta yeah. area. That was the one seed. That yeah, was a with good the, match. the one-handed backhand, the yeah. uh, a pro, great the pro staff kid. Backhand. Yeah. Oh, he had a great one. His dad was actually saying how his um, one-handed backhand was a liability up until the last year or so, where he was able to get the strength and kind of the ability to roll over it. He had the whip. I mean, it, guys, was, it was whippy. It was good. Guys were trying to press him deep to the backhand corner on the ad side, and he was at the curtain hitting just heavy topspin backhands, and his ability to fight off. Returns over his shoulder was was really impressive, but uh, Woodson played a hell of a match and took him out in two sets, and then he had eventually lost to uh, Cyrus Zia in the final, which those guys were going at it, going at it, and it was just an awesome final. So great week for those guys. UTRs are, are on the rise, but you you mentioned the UTR, and I think that's something we can get into. Is it's it's become a huge. You just did an interview with, um, not to like kind of cut up, but you just did oh, yeah. an interview with. Someone uh, from Midwest Tennis is a joke. Did it uh, about UTRs? The uh, yeah. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah, we we'll have to, we can run that segment just because I think it was an interesting conversation with the Midwest Tennis is a joke account. Those guys uh, they they create awesome memes for the game and promote the players in the Midwest. And they they were uh, they, I think they tagged me on one of these memes like five or six months ago, and I was like this 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 page has some legs. And I, there's a there's hook accounts out there. There's these meme accounts out there, and it's Cool to just see like the tennis subculture kind of growing. So, no, let's we, we can go ahead and run the UTR segment because yeah, I thought that was a let's cool play piece. It. We got we got Midwest Tennis is a joke on the podcast, and one thing I wanted to discuss was UTR. It feels like UTR has taken over the tennis world. What are your initial thoughts on this? Is like a is like a mainstay in, in rankings. I mean, I think it was definitely a good idea at first. You know. It, it seemed like a good idea at first, but we're seeing right now a lot of the really bad things about it. And first off, it's just straight inaccurate. You can beat people who have you know, a point higher than you rating and see little to no change, which just really doesn't make much sense. And, you know, you, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I think it's ruining tournaments as well because, you know, you've got guys pulling out of, the consolation or mm-hmm. withdrawing early from their matches just to protect their UTR. Um, and it's just not good for the game. And it, it really does, I mean, I think mess with tournaments as well because you know, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have a kid who plays four matches to get to the same point that it took you to get there in 
five or six matches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, I mean, that, like we were just saying earlier, the court time adds up, especially mm-hmm. in these USDA matches where you got two, three matches a day. Mm-hmm. So, so what, for you to believe in it more, would they have to be more transparent with how, how you're, how you're rating? I mean, you just took the words out of my mouth, just more transparency because nobody really knows how it even works. Uh-huh. So like really how well, it works. It's like a secret sauce. I feel like they've been very protective over it. Uh, and like, that's, that's part of the problem. And I can, don't... I can understand why they're protective of it, but that's also the problem. Mm-hmm. Because no, so like, obviously... what, what, what's the deal? I saw a guy that was losing. He was lost the first set. He was down in the second set, I think five, three, and he, and he withdrew. Uh, it was either four, three or five, three and withdrew. Does that do anything to preserve his UTR rating? At that point, probably not. Okay, because, so I was, that's why I was confused. Because he played so many, it's about games and percentages. At that point, yeah, it, it doesn't make a difference. But you'll see the guys pull out at 3-0, 4-1, 5-2 in the first set where, yeah, that does make a difference because they played so few games, it's going to have a lower effect on their UTR. So that, that's just, I mean, really terrible for the game. Do you feel like these juniors are are um? Do you feel like there's just a lot of pressure from the college, like to get a college scholarship? That that's why this is all happening. They all want to um kind of play at the next level. I mean, maybe, but I think you know college coaches know, or most of them know that UTR is kind of BS, and I mean they're really just looking for results. Like you said it, you know, earlier. I don't think we were recording, but. We talked about how Preston beat a 13 and like a high 12, and his UTR went down, maybe. Yeah. Like barely yeah. went up. And so, yeah, you, you know, obviously, the coaches see that Preston beat the high 12, you know, low 13. So I think mm-hmm. I think the results speak for themselves there. I don't think no. UTR is as important as they try and make it sound. I, I think that's a good point, but it's also on the other end of the spectrum is like these coaches, like when they're like, I, I'll talk to a few of them and like, they'll tell me like my team UTR is a 68, my team UTR is a 72. Like, so they are, they do like kind of look at this stuff, which um, yeah. more than I thought, I guess. And they're like, yeah. the average UTR in this conference is this and our team's at this. So that stuff interests me is that I, I think that the UTR has more merit than um, maybe I thought initially. But at the same time, I, I hope I hope, and I have to believe that the that the coaches at the top schools are, are doing their homework and looking at more I results. Think, I think UTR is a good baseline. Uh, if you're a coach, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at mm-hmm. a guy you don't know or a girl, and you, know, you just look at their UTR, and it kind of gives you a general idea of how good they are. But I, don't, I think that what really makes a difference is maybe seeing them play or looking at the actual results because, you know, if you show a coach with, you know, Preston's UTR, they're going to say, oh, yeah, but if he just beats a 13, and obviously they know he's got that potential, yep. and it just it lacks context. Yep. No, so, you guys, there you have it from Midwest Tennis is a Joke. Follow their account on on Instagram. They're putting out great stuff, uh, helping grow the game. and Hilarious. Just, it is, it is, dude. It really is. I mean, those are some of the best memes that you'll see in tennis. I mean, those guys have the creativity, and it's cool that they're in high school. Uh, they're putting the spotlight on their fellow colleagues, and uh, 
the top talent in, in, in the in the region. So and no one knows where they're from. They're Canadian. They, yep. Or they're, they're Swedish. <laughs> they do like the Swedes. <laughs> so, uh, but no, what, what he was saying is I think has a lot of merit. Is like there just needs to be some sense of transparency so that these kids can have a feel for kind of what what to do and you what can not see why to they do. Don't, they, why they don't put the the note like the the, the sauce out there though? Because if, if if you know that you mm-hmm. you win x amount of points at 45 then everyone's game's going to change and they're i think mm-hmm. that they're afraid that they, they're going to ruin the game by putting in an and algorithm yeah. and i maybe, get that no i get that too i think that's that, that's 100 percent um fair but you know you, you do see at these tournaments guys withdrawing with um right without really having to like i mean obviously they're kids so it's like not that we're going to really do much research on that, like what their injury actually is but it's like that kid knew he was going to probably drop a couple utr points or decimals or whatever and He'll just take take the withdrawal and take his L and kind of head to the back draw or head home. And I think that's a bummer because a lot of these kids, like, I mean, we had people from all over the country, from yeah. from the East Coast to the West Coast, South. I mean, so for those guys to make that trip and stay in a hotel. $4,000 and then miss out on your consolation match. Yeah, which is, you're, you're paying for those matches and you, you want those matches. Those, yeah. those opportuni- they're really just opportunities to improve your game and improve your score, your, your rating and uh, your USTA rank and stuff. So that is a bummer, but... Um, it's a part of the game, and I think UTR in general has been a huge plus uh, to tennis as I think it gives college coaches a uh, pretty good feel for where these guys stand and kind of what uh, what their level is about. But obviously it's it's not perfect, and you see guys uh, con- like consistently beat guys with higher UTRs. And uh, But, no, in general, I'm a big fan of the UTRs. It gives a, a, a really good feel, um, I feel like, um, for these kids. So Speaking of, like, where kids stand – like, let's talk about the kids playing in the Australian Open and where you think, or Ooh. who do you think is going to win? Aussie Open, man. It's right around the corner. So it's, January 17th. I, I love Nate this major. stays up it's, all night for this. This is a tournament that, like, I do not sleep the same hours <laughs> of anybody else in this country for a solid two weeks. Yeah. And it's been that way since I was a kid. I mean, it's true. I was, I mean, I'm text. I'm, like, looking to text anybody, so... I'm like, who is awake with me uh, in this that I can ha- have a group chat with? So if you guys are going to be awake watching the Australian Open, let's just start a group chat. I want to hear. I want to know. Talk your, tennis. Let's just talk tennis. All right, just keep it real who out can there. Stay up later and yep. watch Rublev win it. <laughs> we'll send. Oh. We, we can send some good gifs in there. We can we can send some good highlights. Hopefully, there's some uh, some more drama down under this year because it's one of the best majors and it's one on my bucket list to get to. Hopefully, once all this uh, quarantine and COVID stuff is over, whenever that is. I'll be able to get down there one year, but predictions. Let's get into them. Um, this year, uh, looks like the draw is. Yeah, how do we want to do that? Do we? I mean, do we? Because we've been really accurate, and I think if there's some. I mean, that, you're on fire with predictions. I don't I know. If you, I hope people are paying attention, and I hope people are are head, heading with your takes to the to the Vegas slots. If you're going to the slot machine, <laughs> tennis slots. Yeah, going. You should listen to our podcast because we're five for five. Take these like, to we the are bank. Five for five. I know, and I and and even with the, the level uh, four sixteens tournament, I was like, I saw him for the first you time. Did. I was like, you did. You caught it. I was like, Cyrus is winning this tournament, and and Cyrus went ahead and took the title home. So guys, awesome. we're, we're we're on a hot Fire. streak. Hopefully. We we can carry that into 2022. Oh, we're going to. We're totally going to. Get My to. pick for the men, um, Novak is going to play, but and I think this is the place that obviously he's got to be the heavy favorite I in. I think so. But I'm uh, give it. Give me Sasha Zverev for his first title. I know. You think so? I, he's gonna. He's gonna do it. I think it's a matter of time. How whether did it's he do last year, he got to the quarters, and he lost to Tsitsipas. Yeah, right. I think I, I, yeah, I think you're I think you're correct on that's that. That's a good that's yep. a good that's a um 
I think that I think he's, but he's just playing a better. I mean, since the Olympics, and then Western and Southern, and then a, a really solid U.S. Open run where he, I mean, he gave Novak all he could handle. I think his confidence and his mental is in a place that it hasn't been before. Yeah. And he's now got a lot of confidence in that forehand down the line, which was a shot that he's kind of been uh, resisting a little bit. Yeah. And if he's if he's got the confidence to rip that ball there and not let these guys sit in that deuce court. Zverev just has. He's. I think he's. I think he's primed. I think that's like you. You said it earlier in the summer that like of the athletes on tour. I watched mm-hmm. him hit a fifty-one point freak, rally. He's a freak athlete. Djokovic. Yep. He if he could just trust his body and just yep. start using that to like oh, beat people. He win. He's in stupid good shape and he's continued continued to improve his net game and ability to move forward. I mean, his backhand has been world class for some time. His he covers the court as as well as anybody not named maybe Novak. So I and his serve is, I mean, one thirty five. He's blistering. Second serve is one thirty. I I don't know. I mean, maybe I I know the stuff with Sasha is everybody. It's he's a very polarizing character right now. But I mean, as far as tennis wise, and we're just going to talk about what he does on the court. Yeah. He's a special talent, and I think he's going to get him going to get a slam. I think it's his first one is going to be on a hard court. Good call out. And I it's if Put it's your bets in. Yep. And if it's going to be it's it's going to be I don't know. The US Open might he might have a little more pressure as he's had a little more success there. I think if he goes and swings out freely down under, that's that's going to be a guy that is going to be one to watch out for. And it's not anything crazy to say as he's obviously a top 3 player, but um, I, f- I feel like Medvedev and uh, Novak will be uh, bigger favorites in Vegas. Yeah, so I w- well, I was thinking that I think that if you go out to the Vegas line right now, that, that they have Djokovic and Medvedev, which is it's such that's a, fair. It's fair. Well, and it's also the current uh, re- the returning finalists, so it's also like the easiest bet. Obviously, because uh-huh. they deserve it because they're like, they're the and they're on the U.S. Open. But uh, if you if you want a bigger bang for your buck. But if you want a bigger bang for your buck, that's the guy to take. I'm going with Rublev. Oh, I think Andre he, Rublev. I did not see that coming. That dude played so it. many matches in 2021. I hope his gas he's tank better had, in the beginning of the year. I hope his gas tank had time to refuel. He's got it. Did he's, that? He's totally fueled. It. I don't think he took a day off in 2021. I mean, I mean to be honest, since the since COVID came about, and that dude still found a way to get like 50 <laughs> plus or 60 matches in during the COVID year. Yes. That dude is just. A warrior. I he mean, was great, and he was great for us tennis people that were watching tennis because you get to watch him in the finals it's, every turn. It scares me a little bit though because I mean we saw what Dominic Team did. He had a, a right. remarkable back to back years, body and he out. but he put his body through so much with. Right. He, I mean he played so many matches, and um, if 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 there's anything to take from that, what Rublev did reminded me somewhat yeah, he, of that. That's a good point, and that and, and that scares me win, a little bit. Yeah, he did win the exhibition where he beat Murray, which is going to be a marathon yep. anyway. So maybe that's a terrible pick, but I'm still sticking with no, him. No, I, I respect. He's I, red res- hot. I respect he's it. Red hot. I respect it. And um, Rublev is. I mean, he's he's an easy guy to root for. I mean, I mean, I used to not like. I was I was kind of unsure on him because after he beat Federer in Cincinnati in 2019, I was like, man, who's this guy? Like, I remember he had a, he had the back surgery and stuff, and I know he was kind of coming back from injury, but. I had no idea he was going to do what he's done the last two years. I did. I just like I like his strategy. I like the backcourt guys typically anyway, and I think that the just the the full on forehand uh-huh. all day long and um, he's a- on the on the hardcore. I don't. I know that he. I think Nadal got him. I can't remember when he got beat in Aussie, but like last year. But I, I think that he was still up in the. He made it. He was going through. He made it farther than in America. He made it past. 
Fritzy. Fritzy got beat by Djokovic. And Rublev has also put himself in more doubles draws, uh, whether it's a team event right, like Labor Cup. Helps your net game. Exactly, and I think that's an underrated no, and I think that's an underrated aspect of these guys' ability to finish points. Because I mean, these guys can all blitz a forehand into a corner, but right. I mean, these and he guys needs are that. That's yep. why he's playing the doubles. You, you got to come finish it. You got to come, come finish, finish the, the point. point. And yeah. and I think that's why like playing with Karatsev or um, whoever. That was. That was that was the greatest team ever for me. Those, are, that, those are your two teams. boys. I like Maddie too. You, uh, are you team? You're team Russia. I'm totally team Russia. I don't know why. I like. It makes, I, it's a good time to be team Russia. <laughs> they got three guys or four guys I'm in the top. Team, I'm team U.S. Obviously, I'm gonna root for Tommy Paul and and Fritz and I mean. I know. So let's. We got I think eleven guys in the top 100 yep. right now. Opelka. Uh, so who's who's gonna make? If you had to pick one American to make a quarterfinal run at a Grand Ooh, Slam, this Aussie, the any, Aussie, we'll say the Aussie. Yeah, is there any American? Fritzy made it to the, or he made it to the, he he almost made the quarterfinal. He wanted to get in the quarterfinal. He want, so, who's your pick for one of the Americans? If you had to take one to make the final eight, I would say it's gonna be like on the odds. I would put it like my two would be give me your Tia, top three, yeah. or Taylor okay. Fritz. Those okay. are my two. Okay. If there was a third one. Um, this is the one. Yep. Maybe Isner or um. Oh, I didn't see that one. I, or it, or um. Uh, I really Br- cannot believe Brooksby. All right, I like that. I like that pick. Hard court. I cannot believe Isner is the highest ranked American in 2022. I, like, I can't either. I'm still confused by that. I think I thought that I was looking at that wrong, and you were right. I just checked it. it so there's the he's he's the highest rated. 23. So, yeah. And I think what um, we got Fritz at twenty five or twenty six, and yeah. then Opelka right behind him. Yeah. And, and but um, give me uh, who's I, the like Tommy Cor- Paul though. Is Tommy like, Paul Corda, they're they're in that mix. Yeah. I don't know though. It's I, I would love to see one of these Americans break through and make a semi. I feel but, like if Tommy Paul would get a couple wins, he could get that like that unbeatable thing going. Uh huh. Because he's just such a spider back there, but he is. He's interesting to hear his coach Brad Stein talk about um, how they've put a focus on taking the slide out of his game as much as they can. Hmm. Obviously, it's never going to be completely um, kind of extinct from him because I think it's just a he's just a quick, fast athlete that moves around. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, he's just so quick around the courts, so he's going to slide. But they're trying to get him to s- slow down, break down, and stomp off his back foot to put that just push off and get on get his weight back on his front foot especially on his forehand. And I think he's like, other than Novak Djokovic, he's like, how many guys really do it at a level that... Um, yeah, I mean, they look like the same. Obviously, Djokovic at a higher level, but like it's got that same covering the L, the whole court. So maybe that's why he's doing it, just to get him to be more efficient because he's got so mm-hmm. much slide. He's just kind of pushing it into the slide so much that it's turning into its own thing instead of just being efficient it's like sliding mm-hmm. too much yep no i think that's and I, and I think it also it it probably doesn't help the knees uh very much to slide on a hard court as well so going forward with the uh the, the predictions who do you got on the women's side uh jen brady jen brady is uh, she if she's healthy i, I would she's, i, she I hope she's healthy. healthy is she healthy now i not to keep doing brad stein's like all his people but he's got another one but I would put her. I thought that she was having a great run last year. And she, was, summer, she was. She like was. Whatever. Inju- injuries and stuff. Coming apart. Yep. She was. She was. Uh, Me. I forget. I think it was. It was one of. I think it was the. I she think was, it was playing the, yeah. and she took herself out at Wimbledon, and I don't remember why exactly because mm-hmm. she looked like she was in the match. She was losing, but she took herself out. 
And so love Jen Brady. She didn't want her. Yeah. She smokes the ball. Another Piero user. I Can't think, I think that's where she gets legs. Yep. But I don't know what happened. So Jen I, Brady, I like that prediction. I think if she's healthy, I think she's one that can always be dangerous with her. I mean, smokes the ball off the floor. Obviously, aggressive mover. Yeah. She moves forward well. Good athlete. Um, on my end, let's give me. Um, I think I made this same prediction on the uh, mini break cracked rackets pod. I, I think Paula Bedosa breaks through in twenty twenty two. She's just got a lot of momentum coming off this past season. I think she plays freely. I think she's got a fresh mindset. She seems to really work hard on and off the court. I like how she just, I mean, she focuses on her fitness so much that I don't think that physicality of any match is going to be. Uh, and Radicanu, you got to can't, can't throw out the Radicanu. Radicanu is uh, another one that's, I, ho- I think she continues to build on her success as well. I don't think the stardom will uh, get to her. I think she'll be able to kind of overcome that and be a solid player for the rest of her career. She's very talented, obviously, and, what she did winning 20 straight sets in New York uh, in those tw- two weeks coming out of the qualifying was amazing and one of the highlights of the year. I mean, Barty was on the cover of Tennis Magazine. so She's one of the most she... underrated world number ones of all time. Right. I mean, people just don't. T- I mean, I'm guilty as well. Like, I don't ever think to take her in a Grand Slam prediction because. I didn't even know what racket she was using. You've told me like 10 times and then I really. Yeah, like, she I, co-designed I that. Like, that did, uh, she, did she switch to the gravity? You're like, she designed it. Yeah, she co-designed <laughs> that with Sasha. I thought that was a really cool moment of 2021 as well. So. Uh, but no, I think the women's game has gotten a lot more fun for me to watch. Yeah. Is it's like a lot, of, a lot of new, a lot of new stars and new faces to the game and. I do think it's a lot different than the men's game. Is like you truly do not know on the women's side who is going to make the uh, final eight. I mean, there's a few faces that show up, and uh, whether that's Sabalenka or Sakari or Barty yeah. or Kerber or Muguruza, there there are some of them that remain at the top. But it's a uh, it's a it's a revolving door kind of to see who else can get in get in the uh, mix. I mean, in, in some ways it's it's different, and then in other ways it's the same because you get the same guys that like pushing. There's that top three guy. We talked about it like the last three pods uh-huh. of just those top three guys are in a different kind of world. And then yeah, if, when you get into that, who's actually pushing for the Grand Slams, I think that the change in the in the guys' game, no offense the, to the women, is that in the slams you're playing the five sets, so it just switches the sport. Because yep. it's just... Even to the even the tennis tournament this weekend in Cincinnati, which was top level tennis and amazing tennis, but a couple of those wins were done on some weird tiebreaker. Like, you're, you're not a fan I'm of the super a, tiebreaker. It's not tennis. It's just to me, it's just weird. Like to lose to a guy when you just beat him six one, and he yeah. beat you six one, and then yeah. you lose in a point point break. I think so. I think the super tiebreakers. I think the super tiebreakers have it moves the tournament along. I get yeah, it, it. I get it. Well, as well as moving Keeps the, people healthy. Exactly. And that's that's the thing that I was going to um, actually say is, like, if you're going to put these guys on the court for a doubles match and two singles matches on the same day, I think a super tiebreaker kind of keeps them a little fresher for that next day. So if someone, yeah. I mean, because or else, I mean, it's a huge disadvantage if you're on the court for another hour and a right. half, two hours longer than the guy you're about to play in the next <laughs> round. And that, that was another good point that the uh, Midwest Tennis is a joke account made on the UTR stuff is it does, I mean, freshness does matter. So, um, no. This was a uh, great pod. Great pod, first one of the year. Can't believe we we're already in 2022. Still, it was like that was the quickest year of my life. But um, another fun pod coming up, guys. Make sure you guys tune in. We had Will Harper, Dayton Flyer. Uh, he's just he's the man. He he killed it. Super entertaining. Always has the hot takes that we welcome on the, on the Pure Text Podcast. Oh, 
And great chef. Yep, and great chef. He's best student athlete chef in Dayton right now. So, guys, make sure you check that one out. Can't wait to drop that out here. And uh, have a great new year. Best best of luck this year, and uh, hopefully you guys accomplish everything you guys have set out to do. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you.